drink and dance all night. Now let's talk of diapers and pacifiers and our pants are feeling tight. Bottle service with BKP. Bottle service with BKP. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bottle Service. So good to have you here. We have a topic today that I don't think gets talked about enough, honestly. It's a bit taboo in the mommy sphere, but it's something like I know I have felt in postpartum and something I know I have heard from a lot of you guys too, and that is postpartum rage. I feel like this may look different for a lot of people, but um, I know for me, like pre-baby, just to give you a sense, um, I was a pretty even-keeled person. Like It honestly took a lot for me to get fired up. And let me tell you, in my postpartum era, I can go from zero to 100 real quick. And it's usually directed at my husband. He'll be the first one to tell you about it. Um, But anyway, today I have on an amazing guest who's going to talk to us about postpartum rage and help us cool our jets when we need to. Kelly Smith is in the house today. She is the host of the popular podcast, Mindful in Minutes and Meditation Mama, as well as the author of the upcoming book, Meditation for the Modern Family, coming out in September. So without further ado, Kelly, welcome to the show. Hello. How are you, Sarah? Are you doing well? I'm good. I'm I'm not raging at this current moment, so <laughs> that's, that's a that's plus. A- but you know what? If you were, that's okay because we're going to learn how to handle that. This is a rage safe space. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, I, I feel like we should start off. I mean, I, I want you to give us a little bit of background on you. I know you're a mom too. Where did this topic of postpartum rage uh, come to for you? And like, why did you want to work on this? Yeah. So I really wanted to explore specifically postpartum rage. So a little bit of background. I am a yoga and meditation teacher. I've been doing that for about 10 years, um, really focusing on meditation for the last like four to five years. And a big piece of meditation in general is kind of learning how to, um, I think of it as like decrease the waves, right? So instead of having these constant kind of like emotional ups and downs, like how can we just make those a little bit smaller, a little bit more manageable? So that's something I've been working with in general is kind of this emotion regulation through meditation. And then I got pregnant March of 2020, had a pandemic baby, which was so fun for any of my fellow moms <laughs> out there that joined me for a, a pandemic pregnancy. And not only then did I find myself in this thick of like an emotional roller coaster of being pregnant, but then I was postpartum. And, you know, I found myself kind of having these moments of rage or these big kind of emotional swings that I hadn't experienced in so long. And so then when it came time for me to work on this book that's coming out and I was reflecting on what topics I wanted to talk about that impact the whole family, things like anger and rage, like that is something that really kind of hits the whole household. And I just feel like we don't talk about rage enough. We don't talk about postpartum rage enough. And we're just expected to, you know, be so nice and pleasant and even keel and never yell at our kids and just be smooth sailing with a smile from the moment we give birth until, I don't know, until the end of our days. And that's just, that's just not how it is. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely felt that too. And I know you mentioned like the big swings, the emotional swings. I mean, that's something I, 
I really feel like I hadn't experienced that until postpartum. Um, you know, maybe maybe a little bit around my period or something like that. But mm-hmm. like this was hitting me and it would be like the smallest thing would just set me off, <laughs> you know, and it was just be yes. like I'd go from like zero chilling to like I'm going to rip my hus- my husband's head off. Yeah. <laughs> I snap at my husband, too. He usually gets the first the first wave yeah. of the rage <laughs> for sure for sure um is this something that like you think affects us specifically in postpartum or I know your son's a little bit older like is this something we're just gonna like live with <laughs> after becoming moms so I'll say yes and yes so I think that there's definitely like when we're in that postpartum stage and I have a friend um who is also she's a yoga teacher she has like four children. And she really firmly believes that you're in the postpartum stage until you're done breastfeeding. And that's always resonated with me is that like, as long as you're sharing your body and like using your body to sustain another life, you're kind of in that postpartum um, phase. And so I kind of think about it as sort of that when you're, you know, sharing your body with another body. And I think that there's definitely like a lot of hormonal shifts, things that are happening specifically in that postpartum period that makes us more prone to having that rage. But I think in general, and, you know, my son is two and a half, um, but I think in general, when you are a mom and there's all of these expectations on you, there's also so many things that we don't talk about in motherhood that can make you, I think of it as kind of being like, a pressure cooker or like an Instapot mm. where it's like you're kind of just like cooking, cooking, cooking. And then if you don't ever alleviate that pressure, that's where then you're going to blow your top. And I do think that there's something our, you know, kids, our families, our partners, our friends, you know, love them to death. And also they can all contribute to that pressure cooker that often lands on mom's shoulders or the primary parent's shoulders. So I'll say yes and yes. I think there's a lot of elements that make us really susceptible to it specifically in postpartum. And also it doesn't magically go away once your kids are a little bit older. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the pressure cooker analogy is spot on. And like, I, I didn't breastfeed. I breastfed for six days. Like it didn't really work Mm -hmm. for me. And like, I still feel like I'm in postpartum a year out, you know? Um, But that pressure cooker is real. And I feel like there's there's just there's so much pressure. Um, you know, you can be sleep deprived, especially during this time. Like there's just so many little factors that contribute to I think you're right, like just you know, that pressure building up and it's like it, you can blow sometimes. Like when your husband like, you know, doesn't put the wet laundry into the dryer and it like sits overnight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like the dishes are in the sinks for like yeah. the 10,000th day in a row. Yes. And yeah. I, you know, I think a big piece of that, Sarah, when you, you know, kind of mentioned that you only breastfed for a few days, like I think such a big piece that contributes to postpartum rage that we don't talk about is actually guilt and these mm. unrealistic standards that we put on ourselves. And I think a lot of that often, like the first kind of step in that can be breastfeeding, whatever that looks like. And it always makes me feel really sad because like I exclusively pumped with my son because he just, he just never latched. And I felt so down on myself where I was just like, oh, why can't we get, you know, and I felt so bad about myself and struggled emotionally with this, you know, because it didn't go the way that I wanted it to. 
And I was putting all this pressure on myself when it was like, you know what, we have this other alternative that's working fine for both of us. And I think that right from the get-go, we not only have unrealistic standards set on us as a mother, but we set it on ourselves as well. And that's one of the biggest contributors to that pressure cooker. Not that this 100%. is my my podcast, but I'll ask you a question. <laughs> yes, please. But did you like when when you only, you know, breastfed for a few days? Like what was that like for you? Did you feel like that contributed to anything emotionally in those postpartum? Like, oh yeah. I was actually days? surprised. I was surprised because I went into it giving myself a lot of grace. I know like women in my family had trouble breastfeeding. So like I knew I I came into it being like you know, there's a chance it might not work and like, it's going to be fine. Like I already bought formula and, you know, in, in case it happened. But then when it actually came time and my baby was born and he was in my arms, I was like, no, I have to breastfeed him. Like I want to give him the best nourishment. Like I want to, you know, do the best, be the best mom I can possibly be. And there was so much pressure that I put on myself a hundred percent. And I was devastated when my body like wasn't working and it wasn't working out like I I didn't even realize how much um shame and guilt I would have for not being able to provide him something that I thought was every mom should be able to provide it was really really hard and you're right I feel like that's like the first of many of those instances that kind of creep up in motherhood where you're you have these expectations or you think something is supposed to come naturally or feel naturally and when it doesn't you're like fuck (laughs) Yeah. And all of those things, whether it's like breastfeeding or, you know, sleep deprivation or like, you know, my son just really struggled with sleep. He still kind of struggles, but he's apparently he's like allergic to sleep. I don't know. But there's all of these things that it's like it may not even necessarily be in your control. But all of that is like if you're thinking about it as that pressure cooker, it's like we're turning up the pressure every single time. And like if it starts, you know, fine. We can keep turning up the pressure, but the problem is what if that pressure cooker is already at like almost its max and then something happens? Like that's why it always takes that one little thing, right? It's never like the big stuff. The moment that I, that I realized that my breastfeeding journey wasn't going to look the way I had imagined, that wasn't the thing that like, you know, made me snap at my husband or, you know, get really angry and then just like cry uncontrolled. It wasn't that it was like, the little stuff, right? It was, I left then all the pump stuff in the sink and it was his job to just wash it and then set it on the drying rack. And I woke up in the morning and it wasn't done. And Ugh. that was the thing that then, cause that pressure cooker of all the other stuff of the guilt of the, you know, the struggle, the sleep deprivation, the, you know, opinions from family that are maybe not wanted all the time. Like all of those little things just increase the pressure. And then it's that one little thing. It's that one time the pump stuff wasn't washed <laughs> and set on the drying rack that then you blow your top, right? It's never the yeah. big stuff. It's like the little stuff that gets you. Yeah. What about when there's times I I, I felt this too, where it was like there was moments where like the rage was justified. Like I feel like the pump yeah. situation is totally justified. And then there, <laughs> I would be pissed too. Thank you for validating me. <laughs> yeah. I, that is one of my, I would just be like, really? I'm working so hard to do, you know, 95% of it. Your 5% is just, you know, yeah. sanitize the shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Then there was times, though, too, where it would be like my rage wasn't justified. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like 
I don't, I'm trying to think of examples. Brandon could give you a hundred examples. My poor <laughs> husband where like, I feel like he was holding Bodhi wrong one time. And I was just like, I could feel it like bubbling up, like, Ooh, mm-hmm. like just getting really angry. And then, I mean, there's, <laughs> we're going to talk about like the good ways of, um, you know, helping this. I, I, I feel like my method a lot of the times is I would just be like, okay, I'm not going to scream because I don't know if my rage is justified or if I'm just being a psycho, I'm going to like take a beat. I'm going to, you know, just, just not speak <laughs> for like a little bit. And just like Brandon would see me, like, he'd be like, I feel like you're stewing over there. And I'd be like, we'll, we'll talk in like a couple hours, you know? Yeah. Like, and you know, what's interesting. And this is something that like meditation in general, big piece of it is learning how to be um, an objective observer of what's happening within you and around you. So in the emotional space, what that means is like, feelings are valid, right? It's And what you're feeling is what you're feeling. And it's so interesting because these things that I would, you know, that I remind myself as a mother, sometimes I'm also like, I tell my two-year-old like, oh, it's okay to feel frustrated, but it's not okay to hit somebody. Right. And so it's (laughs) like, no matter what age you are, like being able to look at an emotion and say, okay, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling frustrated. And like rage is kind of a complex emotion because you know, sometimes, like you said, sometimes there's justified things like you can see things and that can truly just like that one thing can enrage you. But, you know, it usually it's other emotions that then eventually lead to kind of this this rage or this really intense anger. And it might be something else. It might be resentment. It might be frustration. It might be extreme fatigue. It might be, you know, feelings of, um, you know, being invisible or, you know, not feeling like you're appreciated. Right. It can be so many different things that lead up to it. However, such a big piece to this in the meditation space is learning how to look at your feelings. It's being able to look at your emotions objectively and say, wow, I'm really feeling undervalued right now. And that's contributing to this without judgment. Because it's that judgment piece that then when we say, oh, this feeling is valid or this feeling isn't valid, that's where we kind of get into some, you know, hot water is that you're like, you know what, this this is justified or this isn't justified. I like to really look at it as like, maybe this is like typical or a logical conclusion, or maybe not as typical or logical, but learning how to look at your feelings objectively is easier said than done, but it's so essential to like, just being able to, to label what you're feeling and to not judge yourself over it. Yeah. Do you have any like tips for anybody who has maybe never attempted that, like where to start? a good way to support a new mom how about let her kick back and have some fun without the fear of paying for it the next day i'm talking of course about morning recovery from more labs guys if you want to recover faster after a night of drinking you need some morning recovery in your life it helps speed up the breakdown of alcohol induced toxins all you have to do is drink one little bottle of morning recovery the night you're drinking and let their proprietary blend of electrolytes and vitamins rehydrate and restore lost nutrients so you can wake up ready to take on whatever motherhood has in store for you. I absolutely love these. I feel like I'm at a point in my life where I just can't afford to feel like crap after a night of drinking. So these really come in handy and you can save 20% and support this show at the same time when you use code BIGKID at checkout. 
20% off. That is a nice little savings, guys. So don't let rough mornings after drinking dampen the next day. Drink smarter with morning recovery at morelabs.com slash big kid. And again, use code big kid for 20% off your order. Cheers. Yeah, one of my favorite, like, easy to integrate tips is like just taking even like a one minute break, maybe first thing in the morning or at night or during nap time. And you just kind of like close your eyes, take a few deep breaths and just ask yourself, how am I feeling? Don't ask yourself, how do I feel about that? Just be like, what am I feeling right now? And then you're just naming it very much like you would with a toddler where you're like, wow, I feel, you know, I can see that you're feeling you're having a lot of feelings right now or having a big feeling. Can you tell me what that feeling is? And like, you know, it, I don't mean it to sound like patronizing or like you're going to talk to yourself like you would your two-year-old, but you don't, you know, you don't get that bent out of shape about your toddler having these big emotional swings because we're like, oh, it's normal. They're just feeling this. But then we don't extend the same grace to ourselves of like, oh, well, you know what? Like, Holly is just under a lot of pressure right now. She's feeling really stressed and she's feeling really undervalued. And so that's making her feel really kind of resentful and angry. You know, it's like that is the logical progression. But then I'm so hard on myself and judge those feelings that I'm having instead of just looking at them objectively. So like taking a few deep breaths, closing your eyes and just saying like checking in emotionally, like what emotions am I experiencing right now? Like you're collecting data. Mm. Okay, so let's say you collect some data mm-hmm. and you're like, I'm freaking on fire. <laughs> like, I mean, I am, yeah. <laughs> then, you know what? When we're experiencing moments of like really intense anger or true rage, there's not going to be a lot of like work done in that moment, right? You have to kind of ride that wave and you can say, wow, I'm re- like, I am mad. I am heated. As you said, I am on fire. And then you get to all you can do in those moments is just usually just take a step back, ride that wave. It's not usually long. We don't usually have like these super long, you know, periods of rage. It's usually like, you know, you unintentionally yell at your kids and then that rage is immediately followed by guilt because you're like, oh my gosh, I snapped at them. And then I said this and the actual rage itself is usually very short lived. So anything that you can do in that specific moment, it can be walk away. We talk a lot about in my house, walking away, like in a positive way. So, you know, I can tell my son, like, if he's really angry, like, hey, do you want to go take a break? Hey, would you like to go walk away for a few minutes and then come back when you're ready? I'll say, you know, hey, mommy's going to go walk away. I'm just going to go around the corner. I'm going to go around just for, you know, he doesn't tell time. So we usually say, quote, five minutes, which is usually like five seconds. But that's it. For whatever reason, he only knows five minutes. So say, mommy's going to go take a five minute break. And then I'm going to come right back. And it's in those like really heated moments. So we'll kind of, we try to just talk about it of like, take a break, take a few deep breaths, walking away. Um, You know, mommy's just going to stand over here for a second and look out the window. It's like whatever you need to do in what's usually a very short lived moment to get past the rage, even if it's with not even your kids, but your partner and say, you know what, I'm feeling this. And one piece that I feel like we haven't really touched on that can be a little bit tricky is also the piece that gender plays into this. Like, we don't teach women that it's okay to experience anger and rage, especially when we're mothers. And Mm. it's like, you know, we can't, 
men can usually make some kind of an offhanded comment, be like, oh my gosh, my kid is driving me nuts. I could have strangled them or something like totally just flippant. But then like if a mom makes a comment like that, it's just like so much darker and deeper. And it's like, oh my gosh, does she have a problem? And, you know, and, and I don't think we should make those comments and, you know, across the board, but we don't teach women how to be comfortable and how to express anger we're really kind of shamed for it. So I think there's a big kind of like societal piece to it as well. So in oh, the moment, I, yeah, do whatever I you can. ask you about that for sure. I definitely think there's like a taboo here. Like why Completely. do you think this is such a taboo topic? I just, a big piece of it to me, I think is kind of just like society. We don't teach, you know, especially in, you know, I'm in my thirties, so I'll, I can only speak for women my age, but it's like, I wasn't taught what to do with, anger. I wasn't taught that anger was okay as a woman. Like, you know, sure. Oh, boys will be boys and all these things. Is such, you know, it's very like toxic language. I do not subscribe to any of this, but like, if you think about the messaging, even reflecting on your own life, considering the messaging that you heard around anger and rage and frustration, specifically as a woman, if that's what you identify as, like, think about that and think about how that has then impacted how you allow yourself to feel those feelings or to not feel those feelings. Cause often it's like, you know, this image of the quote, perfect mother that we have, she's always soft. She's always kind. She's soft-spoken. She's smiling. She's nurturing. She's loving. And even if you are that 95% of the time, it's like anything that isn't that is so wrong and it's so bad and it's so shameful. And like, it doesn't have to be. Yeah. If you, if you, I know you brought up the, you know, the, you have this moment of rage, maybe you snap at your kid and you're experiencing that shame or guilt. Like, what do you, what do you, what are your recommendations for, you know, healing that? I always like to, I mean, I'm a meditation teacher. So one of my favorite things to do is to like use introspection and to, you know, at a later date, meaning, an hour later that night at a different time to practice introspection, which is just looking inward and to unpack it a little bit there. So that can be um, reflection on like, how did I get here? And again, the big piece here is we're trying to do these things without judgment and be an objective observer and be like, wow, that, that was really not the outcome that I wanted. So you can sit and you can just be like, how did I get there? Or you can um, even doing little like, again, that pressure cooker, because to me, that's what it feels like incorporating small little things throughout the day to alleviate some of that pressure. So maybe it's a few minutes of meditation. Maybe it's taking a few deep breaths. Maybe it's stepping outside. Maybe it's, you know, whatever feels good to you that you can do in just a few minutes that alleviates some of that pressure every time. Maybe you start incorporating some of those into your everyday life. So you aren't just like cooking, 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 cooking. Um, but really it's just like, you're not going to, once you've done it, you've done it. So there isn't anything that you can do to undo it in that moment. However, you can start incorporating some of these small little introspective kind of self-care moments and practices like meditation that does help with, you know, emotion regulation long-term. People who meditate usually every day for about eight to 10 minutes, they do find that they do not have the same kind of emotional highs and lows that they used to. It's a little more even keel. Like even those types of things, it's like you can't, undo it but you can then step back and be like okay how do I want to do it differently next time 
Yeah. I think that's a, that's actually a really good tip. Like instead of just like feeling so bad that you, you know, went off the handle, it's like, oh, I can actually like learn from this experience and like <laughs> maybe move forward next time. Um, uh, you know what I do? You know, you were mentioning some tools for like to alleviate your pressure cooker. Uh, tell me. Um, uh, my big one is like, I'm going to go on like a, a workout, like a, like a hard workout. Um, yeah. that is, like, there's been a few times where I like look at Brandon and I'm like, I need to go work out. And he's like, yeah, you do. He's like, go, go <laughs> ahead. I've got, I've got our baby. You go. Or I take my dog for a long walk. Just spending yeah. time with my dog in general, like makes everything okay. Those dogs, we don't deserve them. <laughs> we, so don't deserve we don't deserve them. Yes. And, and like, that's perfect. And I think like uh, part of that introspective piece is learning about like what you need. And, th- and that's mm-hmm. different, right? We think about self-care as always being like bubble baths and manicures and, you know, whatever, like spa days or weekends away. And like those things can help. But usually when we're kind of combating this rage or this kind of cooking, 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 it's like lots of little moments throughout the day to help alleviate some of that pressure instead of being like really heated and then taking like one weekend away every quarter or something, right? It's like these, it's this little bit of like self-maintenance that can really help to reduce those kind of like snapping moments or blowing your top moments. Yeah. I I feel like a question that any of the new moms listening to this are going to have is they're going to be like, great, when am I going to have time to do any of this? (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's valid. Yeah. I used to have like a great meditation practice. And then I feel like once Bodhi got here, like everything just like, you know, got off the flew off the rails. You know, I like didn't have time for anything. And then when he was napping, I was like, great. I have like four piles of laundry to get through a shit ton of bottles to wash. And then like when I was like in the middle of just putting in the first load of laundry, he would wake up like it was just it's a shit show. So it is. It's chaotic. Yeah, it's chaotic. Um, what are your recommendations for for those of us who might feel that way? Yeah, and I I just want to take a minute to validate that because I definitely felt that too. And again, I you know understand the irony of a meditation teacher being like, well, then I became a mother and I didn't you know I could hardly find time to meditate. Where it's literally like my career, my like adult life's work. But so two things. One, I always think of you know especially when you have an infant. And there isn't things are very, very chaotic is I always felt like it was like I did nothing all day, but yet also had no time to do anything yes. like at the same time. And I was like, what the heck is like, what is this? Especially if you're like a high achieving individual, which I imagine you and I and oh all of our listeners are right. You're that high achieving. And it's just like so frustrating to feel like you're, quote, doing nothing and also like never have time to do anything. But what I always like to do is I like to reassure people. So what the studies tell us is eight to 10 minutes a day is enough to get the mental, physical, and emotional benefits, like specifically of meditation. And so usually what that looks like, so eight minutes a day, I promise, even if it feels like I have all this laundry, I have to wash these bottles, I want to get a quick workout in, this or that, like if you prioritize it and just do those eight minutes. It will be so good for you in both the short term, because that's a good, like in the moment pressure reliever, but in the long term as well, because what happens is our brains actually start to change like on a neurological level where the fear, pain, worry center of the brain, which I know we're not talking about postpartum anxiety, but this helps with that too. 
um, and that like anger piece, that part of the brain actually starts to decrease or atrophy a little bit where the part of the brain that has to do with focus, concentration, and emotion regulation actually gets stronger, gets more gray matter, more neurological activity. So you're actually rewiring your brain with those eight minutes every day to have kind of these smaller emotional responses and alleviating some of that pressure. So what that looks like is usually the first eight minutes of your day or the last eight minutes of your day. I think when you're in that infancy stage, the last eight minutes, because like what is morning when you have an infant? It's like, I don't know. Was it when I was up at four? Is it when I was up at 630? Was it eight o'clock? I don't know. But like when you're going to bed eight minutes before you go to sleep is a great time to do it. Or whatever your first nap time is, first eight minutes of that. Or this one's my favorite. Do eight less minutes of something that is not serving you well, is not alleviating some of that pressure. For me, that looks like laying in bed, opening up my phone, scrolling mm-hmm. on something. And then before I know it, it's like I've been scrolling for like 30 minutes. I'm like, where'd that half hour go? So like just do eight less minutes of that and do a little swap for something you're already doing. And that isn't really serving you. Yeah, 100%. That's where I, I think you find the time. But it is, but eight. I really want to hold space for like, it does feel like there is not time for this stuff. And it's like, you might have to look really hard, but there is. Or something you're already doing, like let's say, you you know, we used to, my husband works in healthcare, so he has a very kind of rigid, flexible, or sorry, rigid schedule. So, you know, he would come home and then when we do the swap, then I would say, okay, I'm going to take my shower. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Put your meditation time, those eight minutes in whatever that carved out, like take care of your basic needs time is. Or if you're pumping, meditate while you're pumping. It can actually help increase milk production. Oh, okay. So what do, what does this meditation look like? And for anybody who's maybe never tried meditation, um, like, are you doing guided meditations? Are you doing like, how do you, how do you, where do you start? I always think guided meditations is a great place to start. Um, not that it's only for beginners, but I think if you're really just starting, someone has already done all the heavy lifting for you. So meditation itself is defined as single pointed concentration. And the way I describe it is like when we're walking around all day, we're doing things. Our mind is like a light bulb. The light bulb's on. The light is shining. And then when we meditate, we try to turn that light bulb into a laser pointer and we focus that laser at one thing. It could be your breath. It could be a feeling. It could be a mantra or an affirmation. It could be scanning through your body or it can be, you know, listening to the words of a guide. And I think that guided meditations are such there's such a low barrier of entry there because you just find one and you hit play and then you listen and that's it. Do you have any resources or places where you would recommend um, for any of our listeners to maybe find some good uh, meditations? Sure. So this recommendation is self-serving, but my podcast mindful minutes is guided meditations. I've been doing it for five years. So there's 350 plus over there. They're all less than 20 minutes. Um, And then I have a secondary podcast, which is called Meditation Mama. And those are all guided meditations for prenatal, um, for fertility, prenatal, and kind of the postnatal period. So if you're in that specific window, uh, Meditation Mama is a good place. Otherwise, you can find them like on YouTube. There's a lot of great like apps out there that you can use, like Calm App, Headspace. There's a lot of things out there. 
Um, but my self-serving <laughs> recommendation would be, I would love to have you come and meditate with me. But a big piece of this with guided meditations is find a teacher, whether it's their voice or their style that like resonates with you. That's going to be such a big piece of like sticking with it. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like your voice is very soothing. I'm like relaxed just having this conversation. Oh, I appreciate <laughs> One of the nicest like podcast reviews I ever got that I think about often is someone was like, this woman's voice is NyQuil. I no longer <laughs> medicate myself to sleep. I just listen to you. And there's something that like, <laughs> it was like someone said my voice was NyQuil. That's like the sweetest that thing anyone's amazing. ever said to me. So I, I hold on to that tightly, that compliment. That is amazing. Well, <laughs> I'm definitely, I'm going to link um, both of those in show notes for anybody um, who wants to listen, wants to give this meditation uh, a little try. And where else can we find you if, if we want more from you? So you can find me, you know, I'm a, a millennial woman. So you can find me over on Instagram <laughs> um, at yoga few online is my handle. And then we mentioned this at the top of the episode, but I have a book coming out that I'm really proud of. It's called um, Mindful Minutes, a meditation guide for the modern family. And it's the book that like, I would have wanted, and I've been, you know, so many women ask me for, how do I incorporate meditation, not just into my life, but into my family system? And this book is going to walk you through how to do that um, from when you're prenatal, right? And baby's still within your belly all the way to when you have teenagers and how you meditate with your partner. Um, so if that's speaking to anyone, I would love for you to either pre-order it or if they're listening after, if you're listening in the future, hi. <laughs> uh, if it's after September 5th, you can just go on Amazon and order it. Um, but that's my literary baby that I'm currently giving birth to. Amazing. I'm going to link that also in show notes for everybody to find. And just quick question uh, with, with that book, like, are you, do you do um, meditations for children? Like, are you meditating with your toddler? I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the way that the book is broken down, it's basically broken into four main sections. The first is kind of like a meditation 101 for not only yourself, but your family. It's like, how do you talk about meditation with your kids? How do you incorporate it at different ages and different stages? And the second section is there's 35 different topics, um, things that people usually, you know, find pop up in their households, like anger is one, um, self-confidence, insomnia, all these different topics that um, I kind of talk about my own learnings around that through meditation, but also just being a parent. And then there's three practices, one's for um, little kids, one's for adolescents, and then one is for um, teens and adults. So, and then some mantras that you can incorporate as a family. So each chapter has different practices for different ages, including like the little littles. Um, what I do with my son, and then the third section is like prenatal meditations. And the fourth section is meditation with your partner and what that can look like and how it can help strengthen your relationship when you have kids. Cause we all know throwing kids into the mix, it can make things a little dicey in relationship <laughs> world. <laughs> That's for sure. But I, and terms of having a toddler, we talk a lot about the idea of um, looking on the inside, of taking breaks, of closing the eyes, of deep breaths. Um, we go outside a lot. And one of the practices in the book is um, like a walking meditation, which is basically I can go out with my two-year-old and we kind of walk and we think about what we experience through our senses. Like that's a meditation experience you can do with your little one. Um, so wherever you're at with kids, there's there's stuff in there for you. So cute. I love that. When Bodhi yeah, can it's, understand it's a little bit more, I think I'm going to try that with him. Mm -hmm. I think around like two-ish, 
like I would meditate with like my son, like we'd be doing like skin to skin or resting and like I'd be meditating and like I'd model it for him. But once we kind of hit two, um, we could kind of start doing some like fun things like this, like together. And it, it became really interactive and enjoyable. Oh, I love that. Well, guys, if you want more, definitely pick up that book and I'm going to link all of your stuff on, on here on show notes. And Kelly, thank you so much for being on this week. Oh, thank you for having me. And thanks for chatting about rage with me. <laughs> Anytime. One of my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime, sister. It's a one time, but I said